morning. Let's all stand up if we're able to get into some worship. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. 
Even when I don't feel that you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop And even when I don't see that you're working Even when I don't feel that you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working And even when I don't see that you're working even when I don't feel it, you work You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you Waymaker, miracle worker Promise keeper, light in the darkness My God, that is who you darkness my god that is who you are way maker miracle worker promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you are You live. 
One more before we get into the word this morning, or I guess this is the word also, right? But it's slightly different. Um, <clears throat> and it's one that I haven't played before, but I know that Chachi's been playing it recently. Um, and it's a, it's a little bit high for me, but you guys are very gracious with me. Um, but what I love, uh, this, this song itself, the chorus, can we jump to the chorus on the slides? I just really like this song. It's really nice. Um, the simplicity of this song also with the complexity within the, some of the verses. Um, I just really love it. It's so simple. Just that. So I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again because at the end of the day, all that I have is a hallelujah. 
And then the next slide, it's just so good. And I know it's not much, right? We are who we are. We know who we are. God, unfortunately, sometimes for us, knows who we are, right? But we don't have anything else for him. And it's all that he asks of us, um, except for our hearts singing hallelujah. So as we get into that, if, if you don't know the song or if you've never really considered the lyrics, I, I would invite you in this time to, to do that, to, to spend some time um, focusing on what it is that we're singing in this worshipful space. All my words fall short I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do Every song I stand And you never do So I throw up my hands Praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. And I've got one response, I've got just one with my arms stretched wide Oh, I will worship you you get shy on me lift up your song cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the Lord oh come on my song oh don't you get shy on me lift up your song cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the Lord. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your soul. Cause you got a lion inside of those thongs. Get on that 
I'll praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much And I have nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. So I throw up my hands and I'll praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a You get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. God, we are thankful this morning for your presence, for your word, God, and for our ability and freedom to worship you in the way that we are able to, God. And I praise you bring us your word this morning, that we are open to it, God. We are here for it. The things outside of this place um, are not interfering in what it is that you need to do this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Everybody, welcome on up. Our favorite rabbi, Barney. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Your only rabbi? I don't know. <laughs> that's right. I guess the second one, I'll take that. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the worship. All right. Good morning, everyone. Hebrew two words for the day. Boker Tov. Good morning. Actually, morning good. Say it with me, Boker Tov, Boker Tov. So, okay, we'll keep on pressing ahead with just a little bit of Hebrew every time I'm in the house. So, hey, good to see uh, everyone here, and I know a lot of people dialed in. And uh, if you're new and wondering what a rabbi is doing up here on Sunday morning, uh, again, I'm a messianic rabbi, I mean, uh, ra- Jewish background, actually grew up here in San Diego County, uh, kind of a moderate secular Jewish family, and uh, my college years uh, found out that, that the Messiah had come. I don't know how I missed that one for 19 years, but, uh, <laughs> and then I heard it was Jesus. I, well, wait, I've heard of him, but, uh, well, it's a long story, but somehow the Holy Spirit fit it all together that, you know what, Jesus came for us Jews, too. In fact, if I read the scripture correctly, it says to the Jew first, 
Remember, he started his ministry in Israel, so that says something. And yet, uh, I don't know, strange stories over the last 2,000 years, kind of, well, it went viral, which it should, international, and uh, finally coming back to Israel a little bit. So um, if you don't know, I, I actually, my, my day job is uh, shepherding a, a Messianic synagogue, a synagogue for Yeshua, Jesus, as the Messiah. Uh, we're in down in the Claremont area. So thanks for your awareness and keep us, uh, the Jewish remnant, in prayer. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, my Jewish brothers and sisters in the community that are you know, questioning a little bit, a little more open. So, uh, you know, maybe it took a pandemic to do that. I don't know. <laughs> For a lot of people, kind of shook up the establishment, right? And uh, hopefully we can uh, think of some new ways and especially consider our soul and our spirit and uh, how do we keep going forward. So glad to fill in. Of course, uh, our services are on Shabbat, Saturday morning. So I'm available uh, once in a while to come in, really long-term relationship here. Gosh, it's really been about 20 years, I think, off and on, you know, here at Grace Point. Uh, so uh, glad to fill in for uh, Rabbi Bob. Okay, shall I call him that? Uh, who's, I think, teaching, or he was teaching this week up at the seminary. And uh, so that it's, it's fun to, to connect with you guys again. And uh, of course, we want to talk about something Jewish, uh, if you haven't figured that out. And a uh, diff whole different topic from what uh, you've been covering, I think, Gospel of Mark and different places for the holidays. Well, uh, I want to uh, continue, I guess I'll say continue a mini-series. Uh, a few months ago when I was here, we did uh, the first Messianic prophecy in the Bible. You remember that? Genesis chapter 3, the fall, Adam, Eve, problems how to restore things, and there's actually a promise of a Redeemer coming in Genesis 3. Well, we're going to build on that and work further into Genesis uh, with a Messianic prophecy, predictions of the coming Redeemer. And as you can see, its uh, title is Judah and the coming Messiah, the tribe of Judah and the coming Messiah. And this is in Genesis 49, Genesis 49. So I uh, hope you can follow along in your scriptures here in, in the house and at home as well. And uh, see, you know, it's one thing to say that, uh, well, we expect a Messiah. In Judaism, it's been a central teaching uh, for, for centuries. Uh, the rabbis say, I believe, there's a doctrinal statement we have with Maimonides, Rabbi Maimonides, says, I believe with perfect faith in the coming of the Messiah. You know, kind of leaves it open who that Messiah might be. But as I began researching it, I, I, it just seemed logical to me that, well, if God promises a Messiah, he's also going to give us some information on how to identify the Messiah. I mean, there's people that come, and there have been actually several messiahs uh, throughout the years uh, saying they're the messiah, of course, turned out to be false. Um, I met a messiah down at Mission Beach just a couple weeks ago, right? They're, they're all over the place. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, how do you tell? 
Well, it, it makes sense that the same God who says, I'm sending you a redeemer is going to tell us how to identify him with confidence, not guesswork. He wants us to know who that redeemer is when he shows up. And Genesis 49 is one of those keys. Uh, I guess you could say there are dozens and dozens of messianic prophecies, descriptions, job descriptions, if you will, of the coming uh, redeemer called the Messiah. And Genesis 49 uh, connects it to the tribe of Judah, which uh, is an interesting connection, as we will see. Uh, Genesis 49 and verse 8, and the context of this whole chapter is uh, Jacob, the patriarch, uh, on his deathbed and yet giving uh, blessings to his 12 sons, Uh, more than blessings, really prophetic words, like what's going to happen to this particular son? and the tribe that he represents. Um, and, and you can read with interest all the, all the sons and the tribes and the prophecies, but uh, this prophecy about the tribe of Judah is quite significant for us. Genesis 49, uh, verse 8, Jacob says, Judah, you, so you are, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on your enemy's neck. Your father's sons will bow down to you. A lion's cub is Judah. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, lies down like a lion or like a lioness. Who would rouse him? So Judah's supremacy is predicted. Uh, in a few ways here in these verses. Uh, uh, Verse 8, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Uh, Think about that. Eleven other brothers, and yet all of them in some way are going to acknowledge Judah, Yehuda, as uh, an important tribe, as a leading tribe. The uh, senior brother, supreme brother, if you will, And there's a play on words here in Hebrew. Um, Your brothers will praise you because actually the the name Judah means uh, to praise God. Yehuda. Yehuda. Give thanks to God. Praise God. A praiser of God. So uh, you see it comes out in the Hebrew that... uh, Judah, the tribe that praises God, is going to be uh, praised by his brothers. So for some, some reason, it's predicted, uh, Judah is going to have a supremacy here. Uh, now this was and has been literally fulfilled, just that point of Judah's supremacy. Um, uh, Judah turns out to be the largest tribe of Israel of the 12 tribes. So if nothing else, just numerically, your brothers will praise you, your brothers will acknowledge you. Um, Some key patriarchs uh, of the biblical history come from the tribe of Judah. King David from the tribe of Judah. Isaiah the prophet from the tribe of Judah. Nehemiah, who came and rebuilt the temple, tribe of Judah. So uh, Judah definitely uh, is a key tribe in Jewish history. 
Uh, most importantly, it's interesting, if you hadn't thought of this, that, you know, well, you, you all have Jewish friends, right? Um, for sure you have a Jewish doctor <laughs> or a Jewish attorney, uh, you know, I, somewhere, I mean, everyone could put their hand up probably in this, in our neighborhood, you know, that, that uh, we all know Jewish friends, colleagues, uh, neighbors uh, with a mezuzah on the door, uh, whatever. Um, well, the word Jew and Jewish comes from the tribe of Judah. In other words, all, you think of it this way, all the 12 tribes are now bunched together and just called Judah. Your brothers will praise you. You will be supreme. Now, how that happened is, a, you know, took hundreds of years, but, but um, you know, during the captivities and the dispersions and all, um, you know, actually, you know the story. They're usually called the 10 lost tribes of Israel. Uh, they weren't really lost, but they were dispersed for sure in the ancient world. And Judah remained the one identifiable tribe. But uh, after the captivity, I mean, before the days of uh, Yeshua, Jesus, um, it, beca- it, it became the main identifier of the 12 tribes, just, well, I guess you're Yehuda, you know? I mean, everyone else, we don't know. They scattered and, and you know, into Assyria and everywhere else, Babylon. So all that to say that even as we speak today, you know, I'm a Jewish guy, and my, uh, so my uh, cultural identity is actually the tribe of Judah. Technically, maybe it's from the tribe of Asher or what happened to the tribe of Naphtali, uh, by the way, my last name, Kasdan, we happen to know what tribe we're from because uh, Kasdan, the K, comes from the name Cohen. So anyone have a Dr. Cohen out there? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, Cohen means priest, actually high priest, the tribe of uh, the family of Aaron. So uh, it's a long story, but, but there's, uh, you know, we've lost most of the identifiers. No, you ask your, ask your Jewish friend, hey, what tribe are you from? They're probably going to say, I don't know. You know, uh, we definitely don't know if it's Asher, Naphtali. Those guys all kind of melted into Judah. Uh, if they're the priestly tribe, they do know uh, because we kept that uh, record through the synagogue services, etc. So... Uh, but all that to say that Judah, it's, it's been fulfilled. Judah will be supreme, the Jewish people deriving their name. And yet Judah is said to also be like a lion uh, and do not disturb. <laughs> Good idea with a lion, right? Uh, our three granddaughters from North Carolina were out. I mean, they're little, the uh, two-year-old twins and four-year-old uh, Mila, uh, came out and, you know, we went out to the safari park here, you know, and uh, off Escondido. And uh, I love that place. Just so cool to hike around. And, you know, the animals are kind of out there roaming around a little bit. And uh, I was kind of surprised because we were there midday and the lion was just all over the place in his enclosure. And uh, here's the little granddaughters and they call me Saba, which means uh, grandpa in Hebrew. But uh, we're staying at this plate glass window. Some of you have been there, right? And I have to admit, I got a little nervous. Uh, <laughs> you know, this lion's walking right to us, walks right up, puts his face right to the glass. I mean, 
inch, I hope that's good glass, right? <laughs> and uh, the girls are kind of like taken back, but then they, oh, nice kitty, you know? And, uh, and I'm going, yeah, yeah let's, let's move on. Uh, you know, it's a little nerve-wracking uh, to be that close to a lion. I mean, what an awesome animal. But uh, yeah, do not disturb. Do not rouse. <laughs> you don't want to be on the other side of that glass of the lion. Well, that's the description given to Judah. Uh, and it gets the point across, doesn't it? He will be supreme. The Jewish people today derive their name from Judah. Some great uh, personalities of Jewish history from Judah. So Judah's going to stand out above all the 12 sons. Now, it's especially uh, is evident as we look at verse 10. Judah's monarchy. Judah will be the one that will provide the kings of Israel. Okay? Genesis 49 verse 10 gets very specific. It says, the scepter, you know, the king's ruling rod, will not pass from Judah, nor will the ruler's staff from between his feet. You know, that's how they sit on the throne. You put that staff between your feet. I, that was an ancient custom. Uh, you know, this guy's in control. Well, it will not pass from Judah's feet until he to whom it belongs will come. Or your translation, some say Shiloh, right? Use the name Shiloh. Until Shiloh comes, to him will be the obedience of all the peoples. Well, this takes it up a notch. Uh, Judah will be supreme tribe, okay, you know, world history, and we, we got some of those details. But specifically, Judah will be uh, established as the monarch, the king. Uh, in other words, the kings of Israel will come from this one tribe. Uh, as I just mentioned, Cohen, you know, my last name, Kasdan, uh, the priests were to come from a particular tribe. Some of you know. The priests come from which tribe? Levi. Levi. Very good, right? Levi was one of the 12. And through the course of things said, you know, he will provide all the priests. You couldn't just volunteer to be a priest, okay? You couldn't just run for election. I want to be a priest. Uh, you had to be born into it. Tribe of Levi, that's it. Well, here we're told that a second office, important office within Israel, the king has to come from the tribe of Judah. I guess I should say the kosher kings come from, it, from Judah. Because if you know anything, if you've read your Bible and you know a little bit of that ancient Jewish history, I mean, there was eventually a split kingdom. Remember that? After Solomon. Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, Civil war, actually, uh, so sad in Israel, uh, southern kingdom, northern kingdom, you remember some of that history, and the northern kingdom said, well, we don't even acknowledge Jerusalem, we don't acknowledge the, tri the kings from Judah, we're going to do our own thing up north, and it was just a problem for hundreds of years in Israel. Um, but we have to say from God's perspective, I, I say the kosher kings, the, the legitimate kings come from Judah. If you were to be a king of the Israeli monarchy, uh, that's the first question of the job description. Well, you're from the tribe of Judah, correct? 
And if you're from any other tribe, disqualified. So Judah, uh, supreme in many ways, uh, the scepter will not depart from between his feet. And uh, I figured you're, you know, it's a little early, but you're up for just a little bit more detailed Hebrew lesson. You cool with that? Uh, And I didn't even put it in actual Hebrew because I know that's even a challenge for all of us. But but, uh, until Shiloh comes... And if you're checking the, the screen here in your notes, um, I, the Hebrew is significant. You'll see why. But it's pronounced Ad Ki Yavo Shiloh. Okay, that's four words. You can say it with me if you want. Ad Ki Yavo Shiloh. One more time. Ad Ki Yavo Shiloh. And uh, in Hebrew, translate, until uh, Shiloh comes. But there is some debate about this title of Shiloh. Uh, As you can see from the next point, uh, you can interpret it as a name. Many of your Bibles probably have, you know, Shiloh, uh, a name, right? but uh, in typical Hebrew, you know, Jewish uh, fashion, it can be taken a, a number of ways. It can be, a, 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 what would you say, a proper name. Like when he comes, we call him Shiloh, that for certain reasons. But the rabbis who wrestled with this said, you know what, there's something going on here. It, it's probably not a proper name, but it's a, in Hebrew an acrostic, you know, taking letters of the words and inventing a different word. And so you're going to have to think with me. Hopefully you had your second cup of coffee already. Uh, but that's the next phrase. Uh, and and uh, for this, I, I want us to actually uh, turn to Ezekiel. If you're following with me, Ezekiel, prophet Ezekiel, chapter 21. Got it up on the screen there. 21:25, and, you know, buried in... The prophecy of Ezekiel is a very interesting parallel phrase that caught the attention of the rabbis in this regard. Uh, Ezekiel 21, 25. And uh, it says, uh, Thus says the Lord, remove the turban, Right, turban was the king. Remove the turban, take off the crown of the leader. This will no longer be the same. What is low will be exalted. What is high will be abased. Ruin, ruin. I will make it a ruin. Even this will not be, now catch this, until he comes to whom belongs the judgment. And I give it to him. Okay, I say you're going to have to think a little bit on this one, but this is rather spectacular. Uh, The rabbis, I mean, they had the whole thing memorized, right? Uh, Give them them 50, 60, 70 years. I mean, they they can dream it in Hebrew and, you know, talk it backwards or whatever. And they said, you know what? There's an interesting parallel between the wording of uh, Genesis 49 and Ezekiel 21. 
And you can see it on the screen. The, remember the first phrase in Genesis, ad ki yavo. By the way, the yavo is one word. Yavo shiloh. And the phrase in Ezekiel is ad. Again, uh, I guess I, I, I messed up a typo there. Uh, it's ad, A-D, same thing. Ad bo asher lo. Okay, you see that? That's the Ezekiel 21 phrase. Ad bo asher lo, which means until the one who has the right to the throne. In other words, Ezekiel says there's coming a time, uh, and Ezekiel was before the Babylonian destruction and captivity, and he says, okay, this last king is a, is a mess. Remove the crown physically and symbolically, and the crown will not be restored until it, the king comes who has the right to the throne. You follow me? So all the kings coming from Judah, and yet, uh, boy, uh, the history was rather messy, uh, for sure. Um, it presents a problem presents a problem because, again, we're kind of thinking in big, long terms of Jewish history, biblical history here. But the kings of Judah came. Uh, remember, uh, well, of course, uh, uh, King David, King Solomon, uh, a whole line of kings from Judah, you know, the books of kings, first kings, second kings, you can see all those guys. And uh, for many generations, the kings of Judah ruling, well, it came down to about 586 B.C. And you should know that date because that is the date of the Babylonian attack. The Babylonians coming, attacking Jerusalem, destroying it. Uh, Jews scattered, Israel scattered, okay? You got that 586 date. Well, this prophecy is talking about the last king of Judah, who uh, was Zedekiah. You've heard of him, Zedekiah. He, he, was, the la he was from Judah. He was, he was qualified to be the king. Came up to 586, but, you know, he had some issues. <laughs> uh, and those last few kings of Israel, of Judah, you know, were not very good. In fact, that's partly why the judgment came upon them. So God says, you know, it's, he doesn't mention Zedekiah. It's really the whole monarchy of Judah. 586 B.C., okay, uh, Ezekiel, go. We're removing the crown. And no one's going to wear the king's crown in Israel until the one who has the right. Now, Genesis could be a name. You could call that King Shiloh if you want it, doesn't really mean anything. Shiloh, it's, it's a nice name. Uh, but the rabbi said, no, actually, it makes more sense that it's an acrostic related to this other Hebrew passage, ad bo asherlo. And you notice, can you see the underlines on sh? And there should be an underline on lo as well. Sorry about that. Um, in other words, uh, those of you who are almost tracking with me, ad bo, and then instead of Shiloh, it's the sh of asher and the lo. Follow? I mean, it's, it's a rabbi thing, okay? I think it's cool, but maybe uh, some of you are ready for another cup of coffee. Uh, but 
asher lo, in other words, instead of Shiloh, it's a, an, an acrostic, asher lo, the one who has the right. It does make more sense, uh, you know, okay, no more king of Judah until Shiloh. Okay, we'll see who, who's Shiloh, uh, we'll find out. But it makes perfect sense until the one who has the right to the throne. And of course, the rabbis uh, uh, expanded that to King Messiah. And Jewish history confirmed it, really. Now, okay, I, I almost apologize, but you're really going to have to still think a little more this early morning. Um, okay, take yourself back to 586 B.C., Zedekiah, last king, Jerusalem destroyed, no more ruling kingdom in Israel. But then, after 70 years, remember, the guys came back. The tribes came back, some of them. Uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, rebuild the temple, right? Reestablish the land. Uh, technically, there was no king in Israel at that time. I mean, Ezra uh, was a scribe, uh, rabbi, uh, Nehemiah, political leader. Never called him King Nehemiah, right? Uh, for a reason. Um, well, you move a couple hundred years down the road from there, and uh, we, not so long ago, celebrated Hanukkah. You know, you're familiar with the Hanukkah story, I think, by now, since we did it a couple times in here. Uh, and Jewish revolt, and... The, the Maccabees, remember those guys? The Maccabees, the warriors, and this is about 165 B.C. Uh, and their tribe, uh, their, their political affiliation was called the Hasmonean. Maybe you've heard of that name. So the Hasmoneans, the, the Hanukkah story is about the victory that Israel had, drove out the Greeks, you know, firmed up the kingdom again. And interestingly enough, some of you have to check this out if you're, if you're a, a history junkie like me, uh, the Hasmoneans actually established themselves as king in that era of Israel, several of their leaders. But guess what? They're from the tribe of Levi. They were not from the kosher tribe of Judah. Uh, the Maccabees were all good guys, and you know we have this beautiful holiday of Hanukkah celebrating them. But I have to admit, and historians admit, say, "Wow, that was kind of a mistake." And if you read someone like Josephus or whatever, you say, "Man, it really turned into a mess after that Hanukkah deliverance." It was like again, almost civil war in Israel because they did not have a, the kosher king. It, no, you know, some other guys tried to step in, and it didn't work out too well. A lot, everyone knows Herod, right? Herod the Great and the house of Herod uh, from our New Testament. And we read in the Gospels, well, King Herod did this, King Herod did that. Um, well, guess what? Herod is definitely not a kosher king. He didn't even pretend to be kosher. Well, he, he was an interesting leader because he was, uh, I guess you'd say, part Jewish, his, his uh, ancestors actually had converted to Judaism uh, from other tribes. So he identified in a way as a Jew. But, of course, the Romans put Herod, the house of Herod, in charge because he was a good old Roman. 
And actually, he seemed like a good guy to be ruling Judea because, you know, okay, he can relate to the Jewish guys. He can, you know, but he's one of our Roman guys. And uh, he was a little mashugi, right? A little crazy, uh, killing babies and, you know, paranoid. And he actually killed some of his own sons who he got paranoid of. Um, well, all that to say, you, people can, in history can call him King Herod, but according to the Bible, he's not a kosher king. You got it? So there's still no king, even in the gospel times, the first century. I, get this. There has been no kosher king of Israel from 586 B.C. all the way to this moment. No king. No king. David Ben-Gurion <laughs> never called himself king, right? Prime minister, president, yes, we all due respect. Uh, Netanyahu, never a king, although maybe he tried to be, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, Bennett, uh, the new prime minister, it's a prime minister of Israel. Think, have you ever thought of this? There's never been a king of Israel. Even with the reestablishment of the modern state, 1948 forward, and it goes all the way back to 586 B.C. So this prophecy of Ezekiel is quite amazing. And put it with Genesis that uh, remove the crown from that last king. And no one's going to be the king. No one's going to wear that crown until the one who has the right and the rabbis, after hundreds and hundreds of years of bad kings and false kings and pretenders, said, you know what? This, the, the only one that has the right is King Messiah, the anointed one. He will be the next king of Israel and rule over everyone, including the nations. It's quite a fascinating prophecy, you think about it. I mean... Again, it's not just a spiritual thing. It's not just, well, I think maybe the Messiah is coming. Uh, it's like you can look at history and say, what happened to all the kings of Israel? And we're still waiting for the one who has the right to rule. Well, I, I don't have to uh, tell you guys uh, who that might be, but uh, let's look at Revelation, New Testament, book of Revelation Chapter 5, and some of you are saying, thank goodness we're out of Jewish history, right? <laughs> but, uh, I hope you can appreciate it. I, I just think, again, if God promises a Messiah, uh, he's going to give us detailed evidence on how to recognize the true Messiah. Well, uh, Revelation 5, most of you know the story, the book of Revelation is is John's glance, the heavens open up, he sees the heavenly vision, things to come, the revelation, it's called revelation because the revelation of Yeshua, remember his Hebrew name, Yeshua, Jesus, as the Messiah. And Revelation 5 is quite an interesting part of that vision. John says, I saw at the right hand of the one seated at the throne a scroll written on both front and the back, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? 
No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. That's so interesting. Many of you have had a chance to visit a synagogue service, I hope. Uh, Jewish friend, bar mitzvah, whatever. Uh, You ever get invited to a synagogue service? Go for it. Uh, You'll find very educational, uh, very spiritual in your own way. Uh, I say that because part of our synagogue service is that we have Torah scrolls, right? Uh, scrolls of, uh, of uh, the Pentateuch, uh, Deuteronomy, uh, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And actually a large part of our worship service every Shabbat is bringing out those scrolls. And I mean, there's certain prayers and blessings, march the scroll around, read the scroll, open it. it and it, it literally, I mean, we've got two uh, good scroll, kosher scrolls at our our Messianic synagogue, and you take it out of the mantle, and it actually has a binder around it, a seal, as it were, and just practical terms, you have to open the seal, open the scroll, and then you chant some Hebrew, and the service continues. Well, it's almost, I think that analogy, John has seen pretty much a synagogue service in the heavens. And he says, and they brought out the scroll, a scroll, special scroll. And it had seven seals around it. And normally, you know, you get your, your, your deacons or elders or someone to help with this mechanical stuff. No one could open the scroll. We couldn't read it. And he starts to weep uh, loudly because no one was worthy to open this holy scroll Uh, Verse 5 of Revelation says, Then one of the elders told me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion from the tribe of where? Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And they proceed to do just that. Yeshua. Jesus, uh, I guess you could say he was called up to be the reader for the day in heaven. And no one else can open that scroll. No one is worthy. Uh, and mourning over that fact that, that the Messiah opens a scroll, it continues. This identifier, though, is so important, isn't it? He's the lion from Judah. I know we almost, you know, just say that so quickly. Oh, yeah, the lion from Judah, the lion from the tribe of Judah. That is what I want to emphasize this morning, such an, an amazing, dramatic identifier of the Messiah. Now, okay, think about this. If you haven't had enough math, here it is. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, Messiah will come from the Jewish people, right? We agreed on that. Abraham is given the promise, right? And you will be a blessing to all nations. So just about everyone assumes, yeah, the Messiah will come through Israel, the Jewish people. Well, have you thought of it in these terms? The Jewish people, well, today are one-tenth of one percent of the world population. One-tenth of one percent. Put it another way, we're looking for the Messiah 
99.9% of the world's population could step aside. Right? Not, sorry, nothing personal, but they're disqualified. God said it must be from the Jewish people, Abraham. So one-tenth of one percent <laughs> to identify the Messiah, that pretty much, that narrows the crowd, doesn't it? Well, here's the deal. Our prophecy today, Genesis 49, Judah, of the 12 tribes of Israel, 11 tribes can step aside, right? One tribe, Judah. Uh, how do you say this? 11 twelfths of the Jewish people can step aside? Like, you're from the tribe of Naphtali? Well, Mazel Tov, but your tribe's not the Messiah. <laughs> you know, from the tribe of Asher? No, okay, that's great, but sorry, you're not going to be, have the Messiah. Only the tribe of Judah will have the right of King Messiah. So we went from one-tenth of one percent of the world's population, and then you take that and divide it down 11 twelfths. Are, are you, I, I'm not a math guy, so someone out there is going to crunch the odds of this. Um, this is getting kind of ridiculous. You know, It's like, wow, it's so narrow to identify the Messiah. Here we are told, and we mentioned that of the tribe of Judah, there's one little family branch called David, right? Many branches, if you can imagine. But specifically, Messiah must come from the family of King David. And he's one branch of Judah. So <laughs> I, all, so many, uh, what would you say, descendants of Judah can step aside if you're from some other family of Nathan or, or whoever, you know, uh, Menachem, you step aside. Are you from the house of David? Yes. That's three prophecies. And it begins to get rather ridiculous mathematically. I mean, I, I, I almost break out laughing when someone... Once in a while, tells me, say, well, you, we can't know Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, you know, anyone could be the Messiah, and who knows, and it's all guesswork, and you got that faith, but I, I'm believing. It's like, have you crunched the numbers? <laughs> and not to mention another one, one more. We just, you know, with the Christmas season, right? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, da, 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 da. you know, the Hallmark card or whatever. But it's true. Messiah must come, the prophets say, Micah, chapter 5, say Messiah must be, come from a town called Bethlehem, Bethlehem in Israel. So how many people of the world qualify to be the Messiah? 99.9% .9 can step aside. 11 of the 12 tribes can step aside. Most of the tribe of Judah can step aside. Got to be David. And then you have to be born in Bethlehem. How many people... They qualify for those three. You can say, yes, I was born in Bethlehem in Israel. I mean, I think we can be rather confident on identifying who the real Messiah is. Don't you? It's like he's, God's given us so much information. That's just four prophecies. And uh, oh, I love how uh, some of you know Josh McDowell. You remember Josh McDowell, a Christian apologetic? Uh, wrote some great books in uh, previous years, but he had a great illustration of it. He said, you know what? If you take seven prophecies like this in the Bible, uh, 
the mathematical odds of it happening, and I'll take his word for it. He says, it's like you would have to fill the state of Texas with silver dollars knee deep. State of Texas, <laughs> knee deep in silver dollars. Paint one of them red, one of those silver dollars. Throw it in the mix there in, in you know, Fort Worth or wherever you want to throw it. And that one silver dollar, that's the odds of identifying the Messiah, of one person fulfilling seven prophecies. Seven prophecies. Again, there are dozens and dozens, 30, 50, some say a couple hundred prophecies. I think we can be rather confident. Revelation 5 affirms it. Other verses affirm it. Yeshua is... Of course, from Abraham, Israel, uh, Yeshua. Oh, interesting. Of all the tribes, he is from the tribe of Judah. Yeshua, interesting. From the family of King David. Wow, that's really getting narrow. Yeshua, born in Bethlehem. I mean, the, the whole Christmas story, right? He actually grew up in a different town. What was it? Where did he grow up? Nazareth, remember? Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. But where was he born? It's funny, I was out at a college campus a while back and uh, with an with a outreach table that we do with some folks, and, and a, a Muslim friend walked up. I mean, you know, a student. And he said, oh, yeah, I, I, I like Jesus. You know, he was a Palestinian. He was born in Nazareth. Said, well, you know, it's close. <laughs> you know, we had a nice little discussion about it. I said, yeah, he was actually grew up in Nazareth, which is a Palestinian town these days. But he was born in Bethlehem. Remember the weird thing? It's like the census and all, because Mashiach, Messiah, must come from Bethlehem. And the more you read the Gospels, I, check it out. Almost every page of the Gospels are affirming that one way or another. Uh, to me, one of the most spiritual verses of the New Testament is Matthew 1.1, the first verse of the gospel. It's like, well, I usually skip that. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Hang on to your yarmulke, right? The Jewish readers of Matthew would say, wait a second, right there, this guy, whoa, he might be the one who's right it is. Revelation 5, that synagogue service in the sky. The one who can open the scroll, it's so beautiful, isn't it? Revelation 5, 5, the one from the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. So, boy, I know, it, it may be a little different message here, messianic prophecy, but, but I hope it strengthens our faith uh, to realize that, you know, well, our faith is not just wishful thinking. Our faith is based in history. Our faith is based, actually, in the rocks of Israel. You have to love that about the Bible. It's not just, yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of spiritual books out there and spiritual philosophies, um, 
But biblical uh, Christianity based on Judaism, Judeo-Christianity, the Bible, it's all history confirmed. And I know we believe, I hope everyone's a believer here. Amen? You a believer out there in live stream land? I hope so. I, I see that hand. Uh, you know, we believe because we've had an encounter with the living Messiah. But I think it just is such a blessing. God has made it so abundantly clear in these practical terms. He's given us confirmation from sources even outside the Bible. History and the rocks of Israel. So, New Year, I hope we're re renewed, strong in our walk, and may we be very confident that, you know what? Uh, Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus, Isa, whatever people may name him, uh, he is the Messiah based on all these beautiful evidences. Amen. Uh, let's yeah, I pray with you. Let's have a prayer together, if you will. Avinu, Father in heaven, we do uh, come to you today with thankful hearts. Thank you for watching over all of us. Thank you for health. Thank you for blessing body, soul, and spirit. And Lord, as we consider, uh, well, you know, some of these technicalities, but I pray it strengthens our faith. I pray we have a fresh perspective that Jesus, Yeshua, is unique. No other person could fulfill these intricate prophecies. And as we believe, we've had a, a personal encounter with this living Messiah. That's from the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Lord, I pray that all of us as believers will be stronger. Go forward in this new year. That we'll have greater confidence that, that it's not just religion, it's not just wishful thinking, but... But our faith is based on empirical evidence that is quite logical. Strengthen us all who believe. And Lord, I pray uh, for anyone in the house here or tuned in long distance that not sure, maybe you, you're not sure about Jesus being the only Messiah. I pray, Lord, you open that person's heart, open our minds to consider the evidence. There are reasons to believe. Thank you, Lord, for giving us these amazing predictions of the coming Messiah. May we have a fresh vision of his work in our life in this year. We pray in the name of Yeshua, HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, we say, amen, amen. All right, well, uh, hey, I'll be around afterwards out in the patio and usual book table. Uh, a lot of you have one of my four books on this kind of stuff, uh, The Jewishness of the New Testament, and uh, a lot of you have God's Appointed Times, 
which deals with the Jewish holidays, biblical holidays, but how they all point to Yeshua. Uh, God's given us so much evidence. So hopefully come out and say hello at the book table afterwards. And good to be with you today. Shalom. Stand if you'd like as we get back into it. As I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. Like the sun shaping the shadow in my weakness, your glory.
So it's up to me. Um, thank you guys so much for coming out this morning. So you know, quick, quick, quick announcement. Um, not this week, but the following week, we are starting up with our small groups again. So be on the lookout for that. If you don't have a small group and you're interested in being a part of one, um, shoot us an email. If you go on our church website, it should have a pretty simple directory on there. I don't totally know which email that is to write to. Um, but if you go to our website, that information will be there, um, and we can send you a whole list. We've got um, for all slices of life, we've got different groups. So hit us up on there, and we will get you connected. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>